You guys are listening to Poison Harvest this morning. Let's stand on up. I know it's kind of quiet right now, but you know what? As we start singing, we'll start filling it in. So, Jack, you want to you say that song or you want to just... That's his rock. Let's go. Let's rock it, man. Your mercy overwhelms me, more amazing every day. This kindness straight from heaven is relentless like the waves. Your mercy overwhelms me, more amazing every day. This kindness straight from heaven. Is relentless like the wind. Yes, I go, Lord. You're good, Lord. You're wonderful to me. You're good, Lord. So wonderful to me. Your mercy overtakes me, even when my feet have strayed. Surround me with your grace. With your grace. Your good Lord. You're wonderful to me. Your good Lord. So wonderful to me. Your good Lord. You're wonderful to me.
my soul Oh may I drink from no other fountain where living waters will flow May you be lit. 
Lord, as we come to you today and we are just praising you that you, um, gosh, just the songs that we're singing right now are just ministering to our hearts about in the midst of all kinds of trials, God, you are good and your blessings, blessed be your name and that you never change and all those things. God, I just believe that we need to hear that today, regardless of what's going on with a football game. God, um, this is your day and this is the day that you have made. And as the scripture says, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And God, for some of us, we got a lot of stuff in our lives that we're just not blessed about, that we just don't feel like it's a great day to worship you. But may we set all that stuff aside, get rid of all the junk in our lives, God, just right now. We just, I just pray that we set it aside and we focus on you. And now, God, during this time, we just want to go ahead and ask for your blessing. Um, your blessings to pour out on the gifts that we give back to you. Um, if you're visiting, you are a guest. We do not expect you to do that. Um, we, God, we just ask you, we thank you for just the many blessings that you pour out on us. And we, we take that in not so that we can build a kingdom here, not so that we can have a Haven Community Church that is, um, that is a franchise. No, God, the only thing we want to franchise is the name of Jesus. And so, God, as, this, um, as your presence moves within us, let us continue in that attitude of worship. As we continue to stand, if we're able, continue to worship you, God, and just to, just to seek you in the midst of all things. And for this and all things, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. From wherever you've been Come broken hearted Let rescue begin Come find your mercy Oh sinner, come near Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal Earth has no sorrow That heaven can't heal So lay down your burden And all those who stray, come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, and rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. Oh, 
there's joy for the morning oh sinner be still earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal so lay down, lay down your burdens lay down your shame all who are broken lift up your feet This time our children can head to our Haven kids and everybody else say happy Super Bowl or big game Sunday, whatever you want to say. I don't care.
Good morning. This morning's reading is from Esther, chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jer, the son of Shimea, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captain with Jehoshan, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadash, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. All right, so we want to lift up some prayer requests um, that we have here today. And um, if you uh, did not get them in, uh, you can go ahead and put them online. Um, if you're here today, uh, you can go ahead and also add them uh, right here, and we'll make sure they get in toward the end and get on our prayer list, okay? Uh, prayers uh, from John White. Please continue prayers for his wife, Laura, for her healing as she continues to battle leukemia. Um, and praise, uh, he has a praise. Thank you to our Haven family for your support. Everyone has been tremendous, and we greatly appreciate everyone's support. God is good. We love Laura to death, and if you see her, stay away from her, okay? I'm just going to tell you that right now, right, John? Um, because she's very susceptible to getting um, lots of things. So if you see her, love her from a distance, you know what I mean? So we want, um, and we do love her to death, so that's for sure. She's amazing. Um, uh, Ron, Ron, who was just here reading scripture, um, Ron asked for prayers for his sister Michelle and their family as she prepares to say goodbye to their son, Matthew. Um, we want to lift them in prayers. Um, so uh, Taylor Dixon asked for prayer for Matt's plane to land safely um, in Texas. And my eyes are horrible here. Um, and, to get, and then to come home safe, all right? And for um, her life to, to get better. Man, we could add every single one of us to that one, right? All right. Robin Hildebrand asked for prayers for, uh, looks like, Jean uh, Fairweather, um, who's having uh, colon surgery tomorrow, and for Helen Ann, uh, looks like uh, Lagani, I think, um, in a car accident on the 18th, and she's still in critical condition and is unconscious. Um, Melinda um, wants to wish her, her daughter, uh, Nikki Nikita, happy birthday. Um, and so there are our prayer requests today. All right, so we want to lift those up in prayer. Bow with me, if you will, in prayer today. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today and we are worshiping together, um, and it seems like the weeks sometimes roll by and sometimes they feel like they drag by, whatever it may be, God, we are thankful for your presence with us. And so as we are here today, um, just... Uh, coming to you with many needs and cares and desires and all kinds of things. God, we want to go ahead and just lift up the prayers that were lifted. We thank you for birthdays um, we, and for anniversaries, those kind of things that we always give you thanks for. Uh, God, we want to ask that the one prayer that people who are traveling, that they have traveling mercies, and um, we know that many people... Um, are really uh, lifting up those in China and your prayers and concerns. Uh, Lord, for, um, for anyone who is dealing with loss, uh, like in uh, Ron's family and his sister and the loss of their son, just be with them. God, we want to thank you for those, um, those times where you answered unspoken prayers, ones that we just don't, uh, that we're just amazed that you were there in the whole process. We lift up all these things, God, surgeries and other kinds, and other kinds of concerns, accidents and everything else. God, we come to you that sometimes that verse in that last song that we, we sang, that uh, earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. And God, we need that. We need that so much in our lives and in our world as we look around us and we seem like there is a lot of sorrow right now. And so for, for that, God, we just need a little touch of heaven in your name, we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. All right, all right, all right. So here we go. Um, today is our um, second week. We're going to go into um, our second week of our series, but we're going to touch on a few brief announcements. Number one is welcome any, anybody who's visiting. We want you to relax, want you to be at home, want you to have a good time. That's the key thing. And just main thing is to hear what God has for you. You may not even believe in God, but my, my belief is that God, is go, God believes in you and he's going to speak to you here today. Um, so welcome. And hopefully if you got a card, you can fill that out. We'd love to hear your opinion, also love to keep in touch with you. We won't sell it to a marketing thing. And um, it's really funny. We find out now that people are more willing to get out a, a telephone number than they are an email. How many get a billion junk emails? How many unsubscribe like crazy and them suckers just keep coming back, right? They're like bad luggage. They keep coming back. So there we go. Um, but yes, we are glad that you are here. We will not badger you with that. We just want to go ahead and stay in touch if, um, if there's a need to do so. Uh, small group leader training. We've, um, we're looking for that February 9th after church. You can see a youth group will meet today. Women's uh, Bible study group will begin um, on Sunday. Uh, that has begun. And they, um, I know they were rolling. They were glad that uh, they had food out there today, right? Um, and they didn't expect that. That's not going to be an every week thing unless the guys are going to get up every week and fix that. And Scott says, no, it's not going to happen. But we did have our football Sunday thing that had a lot of people um, that were here. And, um, that, was, that was pretty awesome. And you may see a little clip of that later in uh, the service. Um, just go ahead. Uh, also looking about, we do have Stephen ministers. Um, and, you know, I'm one person. I can't meet everybody's need. But we do have Stephen ministers that are there to reach out and help you through any of these um, situations or crises in life. We are going also having communion training. Um, and we're going to have a communion training. Um, you can see Reagan Sarah Mullen for that. Paris Foundation, an update. That is not the 17th. It's the date is the 16th. So the 16th, we will be serving at the Paris Foundation. If you'd like to help, love to have you go ahead and help. And then there's a women's conference that is, um, that is being looked at uh, as well. And also, um, there is a Haiti mission trip meeting. And many of you know um, that we, we kind of got, because of political climate in Haiti, we got that uh, postponed this past August, and, um, and so things are getting a little bit better, and we're praying um, constantly for them. And so next Sunday after church, we're going to have a brief meeting just to go through some of those things, and we'd love for you to connect if you're interested in that. All right? Sound good? Everybody know what we're doing? Good, because I don't. There we go. Let's go continue. We're going to go ahead, and our, our series that we are in week two of is called Running with the Big Dogs. At running with the big dogs. That should be like Arsenio Hall. Those of you who are old enough to remember that. Arsenio Hall is like, and if you're too young, don't worry about it. All right? So, but remember him? He, what did we do? Ooh, ooh, right? Remember, you guys forget it. You're not in it today. Okay? All right. So, but anyway, we are, last week we talked about, do you remember? Who? Samson. We talked about Samson. And you can go ahead and check that big dog out. And you're like, what are you talking about? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, there is what has become to known the chapter of the uh, Hall of Fame of Faith. And in that chapter, they contain a lot of the big heroes of faith. And, um, and so we're, they go through a whole list of them. And actually, Samson is included in that. And so here are these people who lived their lives and they lived examples. And as I said last week, why is Samson in there? Samson's a complete mess. He's a wreck, and I'm glad that he's in there because I'm a complete mess too. But one of the things that I, that I saw that's consistent of the people that they mentioned in, in this, that is consistent with a lot of people in the scripture, is it's not how they, they started off, but it's how they finished, and how they finished well. And so we go to chapter 12, which says this. It says, therefore, everybody says, say that, therefore. And whenever you see therefore, you read it, and you're going to find out what it's? There we go. Good job. So since we are surrounded by such a great 
cloud of witnesses, all those people, let us throw off everything that easily hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So today is a day that in Miami something's going to happen. What is it? There you go. It's a Super Bowl. And there's going to be tons of people there paying ungodly amounts for tickets, correct? There is also going to be a lot of people all over the place that are watching it. There are going to be fans. They're going to be screaming and yelling and cheering on. And all the people in the stadium, when those, whatever goes across the top or whenever, uh, who is it, J-Lo and Shakira, her hips don't lie, start dancing at, at halftime, people are going to go, but people aren't just going, ah, right? What are they doing? They're talking. They're yelling, right? And I'm going to prove it to you again. Ready? I just want you to just talk and say something at the count of three until I tell you stop. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Did you understand any of that, okay? So this is the same theory. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So let's say that, that David wanted to speak to me. And actually, I was going to do David. I told you I was today. But God had different plans, all right? Um, and so... I was going to talk about David, and we're talking about, like last week, what if Samson, what if one of these heroes of faith, these witnesses that are surrounding us, can come out of the stands and do a lap with us because we're in this race, this race called life that we are running? What if they were able to take a lap with us? What would they tell us that we couldn't hear the, ah, but they could just really take a lap with us and go ahead and say, hey, here's what I want to tell you that you need to look out, or this is going to help you in life. So we're going to do that. And as I said, today we're going to talk about a lady named Esther, all right, about Esther. And bef bef since we're talking about big dogs, I found a story about a talking dog. There was a talking dog. A guy was outside, and it said, talking dog for sale. And the guy was intrigued, so he walked up, and he looked down at the dog, thinking it couldn't talk, and he said, so what have you done with your life? The dog looks at him and said, I've lived a very full life. I've lived in the Alps rescuing avalanche victims. Then I served my country in Iraq. And now I spend my days with the residents of the retirement home, making sure that they're read to, fed, bathed, and every, all their needs are taken care of. The guy was just shocked. I mean, it's a talking dog, right? And he looks at the owner and says, my gosh, why in the world I mean, why in the world, this is a talking dog. Why would you ever want to get rid of him? He said, because everything he said is a complete lie. <laughs> all right, there you go. All right. So anyway, all right, I, I didn't write them. I just bring them to you. Okay, here we go. So what we're talking about today, we are talking about Esther. Esther. And what we are learning is that we are in a race in life, this thing called life. And so Esther is going to come down today out of the stands. Let's all welcome Esther down the stands as we're taking this lap around. And what would Esther say to us? And, we're going to, and some of you may say, I don't even remember Esther. I can't even find it in my Bible. And that's okay. I had to go ahead and look too because it kind of gets lost in there. All right, it's near Ezra. And you're like, where's Ezra? Okay. Um, but we're, we're looking through for them. And here she is just slapped in here. The book of Esther is a very short book. You can probably read it today in about 15 to uh, 30 minutes. Um, it's very, very short. But it tells a powerful story. So what is Esther going to tell us? Esther's going to tell us when you're uncertain about your purpose, when you're uncertain about your purpose in life, God has a place for you. I'm going to say that again. When you're not sure what you're on this earth for, when you're wondering what this is all about, when you think or maybe have been told by people that you're a complete accident, when people have told you, I wish you'd never been born, or when people have said, I don't even know why you're here, 
when you're dealing with all this kind of stuff, and maybe you just live life, <coughs> they didn't think you were an accident, but here you are, and you feel like you have no purpose, that you're just continuing in life. Here's what you need to hear today. God has a place for you. God has a place for you. And as I said, Esther is not long, so let's jump right in to where we are into Esther. Now, just to give you a little bit of history, this is after the Jewish people have been taken captive from Israel and from Jerusalem, and they've been removed from exile, and this is the time that we're in. And there is now a king named King Xerxes. So here we go. It says, now there was a Jew who lived in the palace complex of Susa, and his name was Mordecai, son of Jer, son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite. So they would have been from around the area of Bethlehem in that kind of area, if you're wondering where it was originally. His ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles and carried off with King Jehoiachin from Judah and by King Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody heard of Nebuchadnezzar? Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon into exile. So that's where they are right now. Mordecai had reared his cousin Hadassah, and Hadassah means compassion. Names are important in the Bible, so hold on to that. Otherwise known as Esther. She had no father or mother. The girl had a good figure and a beautiful face. Let's hear it for the word of God right there, right? That's awesome. Had a good figure. In other words, she was what? A hottie, exactly, yeah. She got people's attention. That's what the translation according to Jack is. She was a hottie, all right? She had a good figure and a beautiful face. All right? And then we go to this part. After her parents had died, Mordecai had adopted her. So here you have this situation. You have all the Jewish people who are pulled out of what they considered the promised land, the land that God had given them. How did they get there? They didn't obey, didn't follow God. They set up kings, and they, they fell apart. They ended up with the, the judges that were raised up and not, and then you have the whole history that we got to the point of Samson, and then you have uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in, took them there in Babylon, and what the, the Babylonians would do was intermingle them into their culture, and so we're talking like, we can, we can even think back to uh, people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all this kind of stuff, and they kind of brought them into the culture so that they would lose their own identity and who they were. Everybody with me, how this works? And, and so that's kind of what they would do. So you have generations. You have a time that they have been captive. And so Esther is born. Somehow along the line, both her parents have passed away. So her cousin, who appears to be her, her only immediate family, <coughs> takes her in and, sorry, Siri, um, and adopts her. All right? So here's what we have. Esther is living as an exiled Jew, second-class citizen, not even a citizen. She's not in her homeland. Her parents passed away. She's being raised and adopted by a cousin. And she may think, like many of us do, that her whole life is completely out of place. There's nothing in her life that seems to match. There's a bunch of question marks in Esther's life. Have you ever felt like that in your life? I mean, honestly, have you ever felt that you've got nothing but question marks everywhere you turn? That you may be working, you may be going ahead and going to school, you may be doing things, but there's a lot of question marks and you feel like you're just existing through life. Anyone? Okay, so you're just existing through life and and you're looking, you're not really close to people and if you are, you're not sure and you've been turned on and you've had this and everything seems to break down around you. The people that you're close to, like your parents or someone close to you, passes away and you lose that and now you're just in a big, big question mark in your life. And here's where we get to to Esther in this whole thing. 
and this whole entire thing. Here is Esther. Things just aren't right in her life. It's not perfect. She's not in the homeland of her people. Her family's not there except for Mordecai, and she is just existing in life. And many of us right now may feel like we have a bad lot in life. That we have a situ- that we've just that we go from struggle to struggle. <coughs> we go from challenge to challenge. We go from pain to pain. We go from tragedy to tragedy. Anybody here? <laughs> you go from cough to cough. That in some ways you're just floating along in life. And you're trying to figure out, is this all there is? Is this all that it's about? If this is what it's about, then I'm not interested in more of this. Some of us even get to the point that say, man, if heaven is eternal life and it's more of this, you know, do something else with me here. And we're in this point. <coughs> and that's where Esther is. Esther is at this point where she is just plodding along so slowly in life, just going through life, going through the pace, and she doesn't know where to turn next. Reminds me of the story of a turtle who was mugged by two snails. And when the police showed up and asked him what happened, he said, I don't know, it happened too fast. That's funny. That's pretty funny. All right. So, I don't care what you say, that's hilarious. All right. So some of us are like that in life. We're going so slow through life and not getting anywhere. We're doing a lot of effort and motion and moving, and then something hits us and we don't know what hit us. But because our life is so just distracted, that we feel so overlooked at times, that we feel out of place and mistaken or, or that we're an accident that's here, we wonder what is our place or if there is such a place. And we're like, a, a, like the old philosophy that is nihilism, that nothing, nothingness is what we exist for. That we're just cosmotic blah. Share that, hashtag that one out today. All right. You see, you, a lot of people may think that just because I'm up here in this place and, and because I have a master of divinity and because I, I have different roles as a, of a pref, professor and a, and a coach and a, and a pastor and a family, child and husband and father and all that stuff, that I'm secure in who I am and know my purpose. And there are times, many more times in my life where I have question marks in my life. And it's not always easy to find our place in life. But I can tell you in the times when I always was wondering about my place in life, it wasn't only me, but it was the other people in my life who saw something in me that helped bring about the purpose in my life. You ever looked in the mirror and not like what you saw? You ever thought, anybody a a journaler or writing a diary, and if you're afraid somebody will go snoop, just you know, blank or something like that. But you write something down in there and you put it down and you're just like, and if you go back and read it, it seems like that person that you're writing about, which is you, that you feel is, is the most worthless person on earth. I start to wonder whether that's what Esther felt in the midst of this. And, in, and at times in my life, that's how I feel and have felt. And then I look back and in my life, there were people like John Hobbs and Kenny Davis and Ellie Quick and others in my life who saw something in me more than I see in myself. And so what Esther would say to us today is that God has so much more for you in your life, more than you know. And David, let's throw him in since I 
I killed him out of the series. Let's go ahead and look. David said this and understood this about, about God when he said, but the plans of the Lord stand firm. You know what that first part tells you? That God's got plans for you. The plans of the Lord stand firm for how long? How long? Forever. That regardless of our choices, regardless of the mistakes we make, regardless of what people do around us, God's plans for you last forever. It's the purposes of his heart through all generations. That what we see is that God has a plan for you and you're in this generation right now and God wants to do a plan through your life in this time, in this place, and right at this moment. You are not left out of God's purposes. And my main drive, that if I were to die, is that everybody that I come in contact with find and discover that purpose that God has and that place for them in their life. So what would she say? Here we are. We're running around, and Esther comes out, and she's running around. She's a queen, so she's got a crown on her head. So we're running around the track, and we're starting. And she goes, Jack, I want to tell you something. To find your place, and finding your place in life, it requires, and if you're taking notes, great Faith and trust. Great faith and trust. That's what it requires. You see, she, what she's telling me there is there's always going to be some amount of question marks in your life. There's always going to be some amount of uncertainty that exists. And I don't know about you, but I wish God would just make things crystal clear. Anybody? If, if you don't, Come to me and talk to me and tell me the answer how you can deal with that. I want God to say, why did this happen? Or God, what am I doing here? Or what's the purpose of all this? I need to know, yoo-hoo. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So what we see is he's saying that. And he says, uh, and we see this. You know, I just want God to tell me. And this is what Esther says here. Let's read this some more in Esther chapter 2. Now the king was more attracted to Esther um, that more than any of the other women, and she won favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now you're like, who in the world is Vashti? Vashti was the queen. Let's go back. I'm going to give you some background history. So here you have Xerxes. Xerxes is pretty much the most powerful person in the world at this time. He is a queen. Her name is Vashti. The king decides to have a major party. All we know from the um, scripture is that he let people drink all they wanted to for days, weeks. And guess what? Vashti had a party too. And she was pretty as well. And so Xerxes says, hey, send some of his people. Go get Vashti so everybody can take a look at her. Vashti says, uh-uh, I ain't coming. And he says, oh, yes, you are. And then they say, you know, hey, guess what? If you don't make her come, then we're going to have problems with all the ladies in the kingdom. I'm not making this up. This is a scripture, okay? So he passes the law. So what does he do? He said, since you didn't come, guess what? I'm taking the crown off your head and goodbye. I'm not going to have anything to do with you ever before. Okay, that's Vashti. So here we are. Vashti is here. So in order, they say, what should we do? And they say, let's have Miss Babylonia pageant. And let's go ahead, and, and that's exactly what it was, a beauty pageant, so we can replace them, and let's go get a whole bunch of people, so they bring them. Esther is one of those ones who was chosen for the beauty pageant, because remember, she had a good face, good figure. King said, I like that, all right? He picks her out of everybody, and we may say, well, this is just about a beauty thing. No, 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 God had a deeper plan in all this. 
And so God had so much more planned for her. And what we learn is right here. So he, he uh, set a royal crown on Esther's head and went ahead and made her queen instead of Ashti. And so what we see here is God, God had so much more planned for Esther, the one who was in exile, who was orphaned, who didn't know her place in life. God had so much more planned than the situations of her life. And what I want to tell you is God has so much more planned for you than the situations of your life and the stuff that's around you. You see, for Esther, she just didn't fit. Didn't fit with the other ones, but by not fitting with the other ones, she stood out. And so many of us live lives because we're different, because we, we, we don't stand out. And so here's what I want to tell you right here. I want to tell you, there is no place that is out of place when you're in God's place. Let me say that again, because that's better than your reaction. There is no place that is out of place when you're in God's place. When you find where God wants you and you're in a place where God calls you, it's not out of place, even though it may feel like it at times in there. You may feel like you just don't fit, but see, God has something for you. And what is it? It is, as, as we started with this, faith and trust. And what is faith? Faith is believing that God is working, currently working, and he's currently working for you. Trust is knowing that God will be true to what he said about you and for you. I'm gonna say that again. That faith is knowing that apart from whatever circumstances is, that the circumstances are, God is working for your betterment. Trust is I'm believing without a shadow of doubt that no matter what I see, I'm trusting in what God has. One of my favorite hymns, if you don't know what hymns are, I'm gonna tell you, they're like praise songs and they put them in a book. You remember? And they all ended with amen, all right? Okay, and so the, one of my favorite old songs was one, Standing on the Promises. Anybody remember it? I know you're old if you remember it, all right? So, Standing on the Promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, Standing on the Promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. And what we're saying here is that we have faith. We can have faith and say, I have faith in God. And a lot of us think that, it, that faith means I believe in God. No, faith is that I can't see it, but God's working. Trust is I am going to stand on those promises of his word and the things that he said about me and for me. And regardless of what happens, I know that God's plan lasts through all generations. Okay. And that's where we are. We've got to have faith and trust in order to find our place. In Psalm 31, as, uh, we recognize this. Look at what uh, the psalmist, David, says. He says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. Many times are in your hands. In other words, my whole life is in your hands. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent. That God, I'm placing my entire life in your hands. And when I do, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to trust. You see, Esther would tell us that you are here for a purpose, but to find your place, you need a lot of faith and trust in the midst of this. The next thing that she would say to me as we're turning around that lap a little bit, okay, we're going around a little bit more, she would say that in order, in finding your place, it also requires courage. It requires courage. Because there are times and moments where you're going to have to need to face the uncertainty and the fear in life and find out what you're going to do. It's like the panicking poodle. A poodle and a collie are walking together when the poodle sudden unloads on his friend, Mr. Collie. He says, my life is a complete mess. I can't do anything with my hair. My owner is mean. 
My girlfriend ran away with a schnauzer this week, and I'm jittery as a cat. The colleague says, well, why don't you go to a psychiatrist? And the poodle says, because I'm not allowed on the couch. <laughs> there comes a time. <laughs> I got lots of them for you today, all right? Um, there are times in our life where we got to say, hey, I may not be allowed on the couch, but I need to go step on the couch. There are times where in order to get what we need from God, to get the healing that we need to, we need to step in that direction. Even though everybody told us, no, 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 no. We say, if I, in order to get where God needs me to be and to find my place, I need to step into that area that I shouldn't, that people have told me I don't need to be on. Because that's the area where I can get healed and I can get whole. That's the area where I can see um, God do something completely different in my life. Because here's the problem. Many of us think that courage is, is to live without fear. But courage is not living without fear. Courage is what you do in spite of the fear. That there is always fear there. But courage is pushing right through it and continuing on. It is like stepping to the edge and with every fear in your life, being ready to jump off and trust in the fact that God's got you and has a plan for you and you can keep on going. It's like when, you know, I think I taught most of my kids, I think Jacob we took to um, the YMCA, but a lot of my kids I taught to swim, all right? And you know when little kids are scared to death of the water, and there may be some adults in here that you're scared in the water, and I'll teach you, I don't care, here we go. So what happens is you get near that water, and you, you know the little kids are like, you're in the water, you're down in the water here, and you turn around, you're like, come on, and you get a little bit deeper, a little bit further away, and you're like, Come on, you ever, any parents do this? Come on, and then when they start to jump, you pull back. But you always catch them. But the little kids are. One. Right? It's that courage. But once they, once they have enough faith to do it, and enough trust that their daddy's going to catch them in it and not let them drown, then they jump and they get in the water. And then when they're in the water, they're afraid of sinking. And so you get them, they hold on to the wall. And they're kicking, right? And you say, come on. Like, uh. Come on. Mm-mm. And then they start to trust you a little bit or you just grab them off. And I, ah, grab her in the neck. But when they're here, I remember my kids, they'd be on the wall, and I'd say, push off, and my hands would be real close, and I'd pull back. And they kick, and they kick, and they kick, and they kick, and I'd watch and see when they got tired, and if they started to sink, I'd rescue them. You see, this is the same thing that we do in, in life and our purpose for God. We come to the edge, and we say, no, uh-uh, no. But then when we add enough faith that we're going to make it, and enough trust that our daddy's not going to let us drown. Then we can let off the wall. And you know what's funny with all my kids? They all learned how to swim and swim all around the pool. And you know how they learn the best? All my kids learn the best by getting under the water and going, by submersing themselves and saying, going ahead, I'm going to trust in what dad says. I'm going to trust in what he says. And so many of us need to embrace that, to trust, trust in God. You see, there's a situation that's here. You have Haman. 
Haman is this person who is, who is a right-hand person to the king, and he didn't like Mordecai. He didn't like the Jewish people at this time. So Haman had a big problem with Mordecai and the Jews, and so he has the king's ear, so he decides to trick the king into passing a law and says, these, these Jewish people won't bow down to you. They don't love you. They don't care about you. They worship some other god. You need to get that straight. And so he tricks the king into believing and saying that all the Jewish people need to be killed. So one day the king passes a law that nearly every Jew can be killed. But wait a second, the king has no clue that this, his new bride, this queen Esther, is there. And Esther doesn't really know until Mordecai calls her along and says, listen, this is what's going on. You've just been crowned king, queen. And if you don't do something, we're all going to make it. Can you imagine Esther at this point? Here she is. She's, she's been nothing her whole life. And now here she is at this moment that she can keep quiet, not reveal who she is, and everybody around her will suffer. And Mordecai says this to her. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? But that you have come to this royal position and one of the greatest verses ever for such a time as this. I know that in your lives you may feel lost and useless and all those other kinds of things. But I'm going to tell you, maybe, just maybe, who knows? Maybe God has placed you, as the scripture says, to your position for such a time as this. That there in your work, God placed you in that job for this time. That God placed you in your family for this time. That God did not cause, but God is using some of the most horrific situations of our life for such a time as this. For you, for healing in the midst of everything and all this. Where are you at this moment in time? And maybe God has a place for you. It's going to require courage and trust and faith. In Isaiah, Isaiah 41.10, this is a quote from God. And here's what he tells us. So do not what? Everybody read these yellow words with me. For do not, for I am, do not be, for I am your, I will, and, and I will, with my righteous right hand. What God is saying here is, he's saying there's going to be fear, but courage is what you do in spite of the fear. And he says, don't worry about it because guess what? Daddy's right here. And he's, then he says, don't be dismayed when you hit the water. You know how little kids hit the water and they go <laughs> like this and they panic. Don't be dismayed for I'm your God. And then he says, I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I'll lift you out. And I, with my righteous, my strong right hand. God has given you a wonderful promise there. And that's where that trust comes in. And we can, with faith and trust, go ahead and lead to that area. Which brings us to the next thing that uh, Esther is saying as we're going around here. She says, in order to find your place, it's going to require us to have a great focus on God. You know, in our lives, we get, and I'm guilty of this, we get so focused on our path and our purpose, and our mess, and our lives, and our hurt, and our pain, and our struggle, and our everything, that we lose sight of the fact that this is God's plan for our lives, not my plan for God to get on. So when we, we're never going to find our plan if we don't have our eyes focused on God. 
And so we need to get our eyes off ourselves and on God. Look what Esther says here. Esther has just heard this part from Mordecai. And here's what she says. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. She said, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, three days, night or day. And I and my maids will fast as you do. We just came out of a period of 14 days of prayer and fasting. And one of the things that I shared one of those days in the services was prayer brings us closer to God. Fasting helps separate us from the stuff in this world. So when we go ahead and have that that gap, what happens? When we try to seek God in prayer and we fast from stuff here, it pushes us further away from here and closer to God. And so what Esther said, and this time she didn't go, what am I going to do? I got, I got to lie. I got to figure out some plan. I, got, I don't know what to do. I got, I, got to, I got to figure this out. Should I tell him? She goes, no, she said, here's what I want you to do. I know what I have to do, and I know that it's going to be scary. I know that the last queen who didn't do what the king said, she's out. And I know this could mean bad for all of us, but I know what I need to do, and I need God to lead me in this. And so I need to put my crown down. I need to put who I am down. I need to put the situation down. And I need to focus on God. And I need, God, I need you to lift me up in prayer as well. And that's exactly what she did. Because here's the fact. Every single one of us was designed for destiny. God has designed you for a purpose and a destiny. God wants us to look to him to discover what he has. And here's what we have. Look at what the scripture says in Proverbs 25. It says, It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. That is one of the most annoying verses in scripture. In other words, it says, you know what God gets to do? God gets to go, here's your purpose, hide it. And it's your purpose to go, where is it? You see, God wants to be sought out. That's why we have free will. God gave us free will so that we would seek him. And Jesus didn't change that. We have seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to to you as well. We want everything added without the seeking. But God has required us to seek him. First of all, Esther understood that, and she's telling us that we are going to have to seek and focus God and focus on him in, in amazing ways. Yet we get so distracted with ourselves that we forget that the purpose and calling is from God. And that every single person in here, whether you were told you were a mistake or not, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator. And that's what leads us to this last thing as we're heading down that, we're getting close to that finish line. Esther's like, I'm getting ready to go back up in the stands. And she's running and she says, Jack and everyone else here, if you want to find your place, it's going to require great initiative. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to be like Nike. Just do it. It's going to be that time where you're just going to have to do it. You can have faith, you can have trust, you can have courage, you can have focus, but unless you act on it, you are wasting the whole bit of it. Esther could have had all that stuff, but if she never went to the king, nothing changes. And at this time, she says, here's what she says. Here's her initiative. I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And you talk about, remember that old song, K Sarasara? She says, and if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. And that's all part of God's plan. That's what God wants to bring about in me. You see, Esther trusted, and she had a focus on God that brought clarity and courage and and power to her courage and faith. You today have an opportunity 
to go after God's purpose. That every single person in this room, as Esther turns and begins to walk back to the stand, she says, you're all, tell everybody you're here for a purpose. And in order to find your purpose, you can't find it apart from the body of Christ. The church is the only hope for the world. And yeah, it's a mess. And yeah, I've been part of churches that are more evil than the world. No amens there? I'll take you to some of them. Anybody want to go with me? It's like, somebody said sure, all right. Um, I'm not going. I've been there and done that, okay. So, you know, it's like if you're really excited by something, you're so excited and you go see somebody, you're like, oh my gosh, I got this creep. Guess what? I'm so excited about this. You say, guess what? I have this. And here's what's going to happen. And they go, oh, that's nice. At that moment, it can crush you. But if you're committed and focused to what God has, has called for you, you're going to keep on driving and keep on going. I remember Mark Cuban, you know him from Shark Tank fame. He said, my life consists of more failures than victories, but it only takes one victory with purpose. One victory with purpose that made him a gazillionaire. We need to take that initiative and continue. And Esther's heading back to the stands and she says, oh, one more thing. And she's stepping up on that step and she says, hey, here's her big dog word. She says, hey, Jack. And everybody else, i got to tell you something. When you don't understand, stay steady. When you don't understand what's going on, just, keep, just stay firm. Be strong. Be steady. I, I remember one time, I'm going to tell you, and I think I might have told this before, and this isn't a joke, but it's hilarious. When the week or about the month before I became a pastor, which is coming up on 24 years ago, all right? I was three when I started. Um, I, um, my uncle was a pastor in New Jersey. He's going on to be with the Lord now. And so he wanted to give me a chance to preach to his church on a Sunday evening. And so my mom and my dad were there. Melissa was there. My aunt was there. It was my dad's sister. And my uncle, it was his church, and they were building me up, and I was this young guy. I had worked on this message, and I was going to talk to people. It was called Shining Like Stars, which is interesting because Esther also means star. So it was like shining with star, like stars. And I was so sad. I had the verse from Scripture that says, and, and may you shine like stars, being blameless and without fault. And I had practiced that line. Blameless. And without fault. And I got ready for that line. And people were like, mm, they, were, they were in the amen church. Mm, amen. Yeah, yeah. Mm, amen. They were doing that. And I got to that point and I said, that you may be shining with stars, blameless and without fart. <laughs> Am I lying? No. And I went to say it again and corrected. And I said, I mean fart. And I look and Melissa's laughing. My dad is going, my mom's going, and my aunt's like, <laughs> laughing like this. And this is my first big break. And I'm like, and then everybody was so nice. And afterwards, at that moment, I could have taken my farts and gone on somewhere. And that could have stopped 24 years of any of this stuff. But afterwards, my, my uncle after everybody said, oh, great job, and you know they're thinking, that dude's a fart in the pulpit, right? And, 
and they're going for this, and my uncle comes up to me, and he puts his arm around me, he said, great job, just one thing, don't be farting in my pulpit anymore, like that, and we laughed, and then we went to dinner, and it was hilarious, that's how I started this whole thing, and I've been spewing crap out of my mouth ever since. Hey, in the Bible, God used a jackass, and he does every week right here. So there you go. What I'm saying is God had a plan and a purpose regardless of the situations that happened there. I called one of the, fat, one of the main people in the church my first Sunday in another place. Her name was, and Debbie's going to start laughing, it was spelled C-O-O-K-Y. And I called her kooky. And she may have been, right? But, but I didn't know that at that point. So what I'm saying is God took all that mess and all this mess and does every day this failed mess and has a purpose and a plan for my life. As long as whatever happens and you don't understand it, just stay steady. Just stay steady, all right? That's part of what God wants to tell us. The next thing that we see here, and I'm gonna let you look at some of the scriptures on your own. This scripture lesson right here says this. It's one we talked about before. But, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who have been called to him, who have been called according to his purpose. Doesn't matter what you say, what you do in the, those circumstances of life, that no matter what mistakes you make, God is gonna bring it all to good for his glory and for your purpose. The next thing she's saying, she's getting further in the stand, and she says, hey, when you realize God's purpose for your life, feel empowered. Feel empowered. When you see it, get energized by it. God did not put you where you are and is not gonna give you the tools that you need to be in that place. He wants you to succeed in that calling. How does he do that? With giftedness, the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. If we look at Acts chapter 38, it tells us about Jesus that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was what? With him. And that's the promise Jesus gave to us, that I will not leave you or forsake you. I will be with you now and for always. Everybody good? Here we go. Next one is this. And this is the last one. When you know God is in control, it's easier to take the next step. When you realize God's got control. You see, Esther knew that if she took that step to go to the king, if I perish, I perish. Whatever happens, happens. God is in control. God is in control through it all. If I messed up and I made mistakes and I've got to face something, guess what? It's going to be good because God is in control. And that plan and calling that he, that he knit into my life from the very beginning, it does not change because of where I've gone, what I've done, the things that, I, that I've, I've become, the things that I've said, the things that I, I, I wanted to do instead of God says, hey, guess what? Guess what? My plans are constantly for you and go through all generations. You see, we need to come to a point. There's many of us who may know Jesus as our Savior. We may have said a sinner's prayer. We may have been in a church and said, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart, and that is awesome. But there's a lot of us that just need to go ahead and make him our Lord. I say, Jesus, i got to give you control of this life, because guess what? It's a mess in what I'm doing with it. And so this last scripture that I'm going to give to you is this, from Acts chapter 17. Reminds us, from one man, he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of the land. In other words, what's that here to tell you? God created everybody who's ever lived and ever going to live, and you, he created you, and he put you where you are right now. He said, this is where I want you. And your boundaries are the areas that are around you. 
God has placed you in this county, this area, to say, hey, you may have moved here for some reason. You may have family. You may have somebody told you, hey, come here. Hey, listen, to this. listen to this, Jackie. I speak every week, whatever you want to say. But God placed you here for a reason. And God did this, why? So that you would, ready? To seek him and reach out for him and find him. Why do you want to seek and find him? So that you can find your purpose and calling for your life. Just like Esther did. Just like Esther, that girl who was nothing in her, in her time, in her area. But God placed her there and Mordecai knew at that moment. Just maybe, who knows, you're here for such a time as this. And guess what? We think that God is so far, oh no, he's just right there. He's right there. In the struggles, in the trials, and the strategies, and the difficulty in life, God is there because this is it. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of our poets have said, and we are his offspring. I want to finish this, and some of you saw this little one-minute clip from Benjamin Watson, who went through a lot of struggles in life. Yeah, he was a football player, but he had a lot of struggles in life. And this is something that he and his wife shared about how they lost two children and God gave them twins. And they were shocked. And just he talks about some of the stuff about God when you're struggling. Let's go ahead, Melinda, if you'll show that. God works all things together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What is that good? That good is not necessarily what I think good is. It's always good, but it might not always be pleasant. Then to me says, if God loved you, wouldn't that be easy? And somewhere along the line, I've bought in that lie. Then I have to go back to truth, and I look in the Bible, and I don't see that anywhere. <laughs> His promises are that you are an overcomer that I love you, that I'll never leave you or forsake you. His promises are that I will always provide for your needs according to riches and glory. The promises are that I love you so much that I sent my own son to die for you. His promises are that I've already written the book, so I know what's happening when you don't. His promises are eternal life. His promises are that I'll give you beauty for ashes. That is the promises of God, that what we think is good may not truly be what God is going to bring to good in our world. That we have a different uh, opinion, but God has a plan for your life. It's not always going to be easy. As, as his wife said there, when you look through the scripture, it doesn't look easy. Every one of the disciples, when they began to follow Jesus, life got really difficult for them. Oh, but guess what? Heaven opened wide for them. And Jesus was always with them. Holy Spirit. So today, whatever, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, may you build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ and may you trust in him. May you have faith in him. May you have that courage. May you listen to the things that Esther is shouting to us from the stands. And she came down and ran that race and she says, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, Danny, you're here for such a time as this. Maybe, Harry, God has placed you here for this moment and this time. Alyssa, maybe God has placed you right here, right now, in your area for such a time as this. That can go for every single person's voice here today that God has set up the boundaries and put you here today for you to make an incredible difference in the life of someone else. That today someone, just someone may need to know that there is a Savior who loves them and he wants to be the Lord of their life. And there is no sorrow on earth 
that heaven can't heal because God has a plan and purpose for your life and that you're going to trust in him each and every day of your life. And it may not be easy, but you're going to make it through. Amen? Let's stand up today and let's worship God one more time as we sing about building our life on him.
it's, uh, it's so funny. Some of you have heard, been around before when I say um, that how the Holy Spirit works through the music. Um, Wayne had asked me uh, earlier this week who I was going to preach on, and I said, who? David, right? Yep. And then Wayne planned songs that work with Esther. <laughs> it's, a, it's so amazing. So God's good. Um, everybody, have a, a great day. I'm not going to get that super Sunday thing, although I just did. Um, but anyway, have an awesome, uh, if you care about the game or don't care about the game, hey, just love somebody. And, um, and just realize God's placed you here for such a time as this. Next week, um, unless God changes, we're going to do Elisha, not Elijah. So we're going to do Elisha. So come back next week. Tell somebody hi. If you see somebody you don't know, say hi. Here am I and scare them. Okay, bye. Hey.